This is an ABC podcast. Alex, do you know what I really miss that you've brought back with your new releases this month? What's that? Canon, the big name in movie entertainment, presents a special preview of some of the great films coming to you on video soon. No one does an opening like that anymore. <laughs> True Cult. New releases with Alex Bonniewell. Okay, we've got a comic book trilogy, a time-looping mystery cult, a lonely 12-year-old with a dark secret, a Spanish town full of people with webbed fingers, and a penal colony that there's no escape from. Who? No foolish heroics, if you please. Yes. Dark Man. from his past has returned with a vengeance. We are going back into the arms business. Darkman 2. The return of Durant. The deal. I believe I can repair your nervous system. It's impossible. It's never been done. The double cross. What did you do to me? I reconnected your thalamic nerve, all right. Reconnected it to this. A deadly mistake. Waste the freak, please. Now I've got you. What the? Jeff Fahey, Arnold Voslo, Darkman 3. Die, Darkman. Die. Just love the ending of that, <laughs> Alex. But yeah, you've. I mean, I didn't even know that Darkman 3 was called Darkman. Die, Darkman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now th- these are all from Cinema Cult this month. Um, so we got Dark Man, Dark Man Two: The Return of Durant, and Dark Man Three: Die, Dark Man Die. We've covered Dark Man before in the films of Sam Raimi, so it's really nice to have it available uh, again on Blu-ray and DVD. So if you missed the Sam Raimi episode that we did, Dark Man is is Sam Raimi's comic book film before he did comic book films before he did his Spider-Man trilogy. Stars Liam Neeson as Peyton Westlake, who is a scientist developing synthetic skin, but he can only get it to last 99 minutes and then it dissolves in sunlight. He manages to get blown up by our gangster, Mr. Durant, played by Larry Drake, but he survives and wants to get his revenge. So he turns into Dark Man, who looks like a kind of cross between a, a down and out Lon Chaney from The Invisible Man. He's always roaming, wandering around in kind of dirty bandages and, and a big hat and coat. But he's managed to cobble together his, his lab again. And with his amazing 3D mapping software, he can take a picture of whoever he likes and recreate their face with his magic synthetic skin so he can sneak into Mr. Durant's gang and off them one by one until he gets his revenge. It's very, very silly, as I'm, <laughs> as I'm sure you can remember. Oh, I remember it. I'm looking forward to now Darkman 3 because I don't feel like I've done it all. <laughs> yeah. Now, Darkman 2 is called The Return of Durant, which kind of gives you a clue that Durant didn't die at the end of Darkman. This is from 1995. Um, no longer anything to do with Sam Raimi, except he's the executive producer or something on this. And no more Liam Neeson. Darkman oh, now is played by Arnold Wozlu, who was Imhotep in The Mummy. And, of course, this, this kind of go, no Liam Neeson? Surely this can't be. And then you realise that he can just change his face. So it doesn't really matter. So Durant is back again. Um, he doesn't die at the end of the first one. And he decides to get back into the gangster business. So he uh, 
springs a weapons genius from an insane asylum so he can make him these rather nutty plasma slash laser guns so he can take over the city. Um, of course, Darkman's having none of this and he wants to get his ultimate revenge on Mr. Durant. And of course, you know, he probably does. In Die, Darkman, Die, there is no more Durant. He is gone. And so we have a new villain. So in steps Rooker, who's a, he's a much nastier slimier piece of work than Mr. Durant. Mr. Durant seems quite polite in comparison. Again, like all villains in these things, he's wanting to take over the city, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. But he wants a bit of an edge to do this. Now, unbeknownst to, to Mr. Darkman, he is being stalked by another scientist who's aware of his work as Patent Westlake on his synthetic skin and wants to help him with that. In exchange... She can reinstate his nervous system so he can feel again. But no, there's a double cross and she's really working for Rooker. And they want his DNA so they can find out what makes him super strong and impervious to pain. So they can synthesize it and inject their hoodlums with it and take over the city. Superhuman hoodlums. Of course, our dark man is having none of this and sets out to defeat them all again. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All very, very silly. All really, really good fun. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed all three of the Darkman movies. Um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for the first one because it is Sam Raimi and it is Liam Neeson. Um, So there's a little bit of an extra edge to it. It's got a little bit more going for it style-wise. But, you know, two and three are great. And I I just can't not watch a film with the title Die, Darkman, Die. It just needs to be watched. Oh, obviously, two and three... Looked like they were filmed back to back, so it seems like a... Well, they were filmed, I think, around the same time. Yeah, yeah. they were filmed at the same time. I wondered, because I haven't seen two or three, I've been saving myself, uh, Alex, for a release <laughs> like this. <laughs> and so I'd be interested to see how that looks, you know, when you do watch it all together. It's not bad. They managed to do the little prequel, How Dark Man Became Dark Man, without showing kind of Liam Neeson's face properly in it. And you kind of go, oh, okay. So if I haven't seen the first one, I get a bit of a recap. And I have no idea that he was played by a completely different actor to start with. So, So, Alex, what do you get for the price of your synthetic skin? (laughs) Um, You just get the movie. Cinema cult don't really do extras at all. So it's pretty bare bones. But they're they're pretty nice transfers. Um, and say it's nice to have stuff like this on Blu-ray. It's good fun movies. Say it's and Cinema Cult do tend to bring things out at the the lower end of the price range for us collectors as well, which is great. So um, yeah, it's it's like if if you're not worried about the extras and stuff, and you just want the movies, you just want the the Dark Man trilogy. You can like say you can buy them all separately, and it's not going to set you back that much money at all. I do think the covers look quite nice. I like the artwork on it. Yeah, they're all the original artwork from the covers with the cinema cult grey bars either side of them at the top of the bottom. They've kept all the original artwork, which is really cool. Alex, this next release is one that I saw you talking about on your Facebook page. But what is I Kill Giants all about? Uh, This was a real surprise for me. And this is from umbrellaent.com.au. I saw the trailer of this and went, that looks really interesting. Uh, It's about a 12-year-old girl called Barbara. She's pretty nerdy. She plays Dungeons and Dragons and she kills giants, apparently. Um, she's got no friends. Her home life is a bit weird. There doesn't seem to be any parents around. She's got an older brother and then an older sister called Karen, played by Imogen Poots, who is looking after herself and her two younger siblings and feeling the stresses somewhat. 
so Barbara, played magnificently by Madison Wolf, kind of retreats into herself a bit and spends most of her time when she's not at school laying down traps for giants and leaving kind of magic runic stones and stuff around the school and around the seaside town that she lives in to help ward them off. Um, she ends up with one friend, a, a young girl who's moved from Leeds in England, although she doesn't sound like she's from Leeds, but that's my only complaint about the movie. She sounds like she's from a posh drama school in London. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that, yeah, okay. And kind of invites her into her world. And you, you're never quite sure whether or not these giants actually exist or they're just her coping mechanism for what's going on in her life. It's done so well. The, the line between reality and fantasy is so blurred in this that you're kind of going i'm really not sure if she's really fighting giants or something traumatic has happened in her life and this is her way of compartmentalizing everything and dealing with life itself she does have to go and see the school psychiatrist played by zoe saldana from guardians of the galaxy um center stage if you're a center stage fan. <laughs> yeah and it's like this is I, I really love fantasy movies and coming of age movies so if you smash them both together you get i kill giants barbara's obviously had to grow up faster than she really needs to there's some really nice reference points in this cool references to time bandits because there's these creatures that kind of precede the giants if the giants are coming and they look like some of the creatures from Time Bandits. And there's a nice little carry reference in here when they're picking the sports teams. I watched this with my daughters. I thought it'd be really cool to watch a kind of fantasy film with them with a with a young girl as the main character. So what did Eris and Lilith think of it? They loved it. They've seen it twice. So they've seen really? it one more time than so me. So it's become yeah, so a little they, bit of a favourite in the family. Yeah. So they watched it with me and then they watched it with Michelle, my wife, separately. They were like, can we watch this, please? I thought it was a, an amazing film. I did cry at the end. It really got me. And I was like, oh. What? Yeah. I was like. I it, have I never was, known you ever it, to cry in a film, Alex. This is it, this is new, a, breaking news right here, no, right now. No, no, I I. I told you I cried at the end of Silent Running when I was a kid and I haven't been able to watch it since and I know Cinema Cult or Shock <laughs> are, are reissuing it so I'm going to see if it's got the same effect on me but this is a really emotional movie it was really really cool I Kill Giants is adapted from a graphic novel and the the guy who did the graphic novel also did the screenplay for this I do believe and again you can also take this kind of plot device all the way back to stuff like the wizard of oz as oz as well you know where a young person's escaping their reality to deal with what's going on in their home life um so it's something that's been going through kind of kids films for for years and years and years and each kind of generation gets their own version of it and i think i call giants is kind of this generation it's like between the ages of probably like well, say Eris is six and Lilith is eight. So you're probably looking from like six to 12, 14 year olds will find something in this that they'll really like, as well as adults who just like really cool kind of fantasy films. Yeah, I was I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed I Kill Giants. Alex, every time I'm confronted with the name Barbara, it takes me back to Night of the Living Dead. And all I can ever hear is, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> Oh, I showed that to a six-year-old once. wasn't a great idea. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> it was our family. I want to go back. One day, one night, we come straight back. What the Dickens brings you all the way out here? The video you 
I saw this recently, Alex, because it was on Lance Sinclair's last film list for sound and vision, and this is just mind-bending, but I did enjoy it. Oh, this is great. This is The Endless from, again, from UmbrellaEnd.com.au. This is from the director team, Moorhead and Benson, who did the superb Beauty and the Beast horror love story movie Spring, which I I watched before I watched this. Um, I, I got told about Spring and went, OK, I'll check that out. And I thought, whoa, this is really cool. So I was very excited to see The Endless. And this is a really cool, low-budget, sci-fi, horror, time loop movie. This is about two brothers called Justin and Aaron, and they're just kind of making ends meet doing kind of menial jobs and they receive a videotape that looks like it's been sent around the world to get to them and on this tape there's a young woman talking about an ascension and from this we learn that the brothers grew up in a cult which they escaped from and when they spoke to the press about it called it a ufo worshipping death cult (laughs) which is a great name for a band again yes But on receiving this videotape, they decide to go back to the supposed UFO worshipping death cult to get closure on certain things that they're still not quite clear about. When they get there, they get a bit weirded out because no one seems to have aged in the 10 years they've been away. And the longer they stay there, the more they realise that maybe it wasn't quite the cult thing that they thought they were escaping from and it's something else. But do they want to stay there? Do they want to be part of whatever's going on? I do love movies like this. And if you're if you've seen stuff like Triangle, which we've talked about before on True Cult, Blood Punch, which again we've talked about on True Cult, Primer, which we've also talked about, then you should really love this. This is one of those films that you you sit and watch and go, okay, I've got where this is going. What just happened? Okay, I'll find out in hopefully ten minutes or so, and I'll know where I am. Okay, I know where I am now. Something's happened again. Why has that happened? Okay, let's see how, how this goes. And it just continually throws these curveballs at you where you're kind of going, you don't know whether or not the brothers are going to stay where they are, if they're going to be trapped where they are, if the people that are already there will keep them there or will let them go again. It's quite fantastic. Um, I, I love stuff like this, stuff that this gets you kind of asking questions throughout the entirety of the film right until the last minute. And then you kind of sit back and go, And the ending, not to give it away, but I still am not sure what has actually happened and probably need to go back again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because they, like, yeah, I thought, woo, it's, and then I was like, oh, that doesn't add up. Oh, it left me with way too many questions, but I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that. But then that's what these sort of films do. The same with Triangle, Blood Punch, Primer. They all, they all leave you going, whoa, hold on a minute. I need to watch that again, but not just yet. I need to just kind of let that run around in my head for a a few weeks, talk to some people who've seen it, and then go, right, okay, go back into it and try and find all the little bit 
all the clues that are going on. I mean, it's like, as the film goes on, you realise that some people have kind of worked out what's going on and some haven't. Some don't want to know what's going on and quite happy not knowing what's going on, while some are more than happy to know what's going on and accept what's going on. I love that they didn't have the budget for songs. So the reason why you get the House of the Rising Sun throughout all of this is because the lyrics are in the public domain. (laughs) (laughs) But it works so well. Yeah. There is some some light-hearted bits in this as well. There's a brilliant piece scene where he, he wanders up to a house that's being built to try and find someone to talk to about what's going on. And that whole scene is quite lighthearted compared to the rest of the movie. You've got this nice kind of break in the middle where, where they're kind of going, oh, you know what? This is happening. See you soon. And you kind of, okay. And then it kind of delves back into the sort of the darker aspects of the movie. But yeah, a great, great movie. Alex, your next release I haven't heard of, but there's an H.P. Lovecraft link, yes? Oh, yes. Again, yes. This is Dagon from 2001. Again, from Umbrella ent.com.au but this is volume three in their beyond genres sub-label so they've done what they did with the three reanimator movies that we talked about last month is they've they've got a really crisp transfer of this there's tons of extras new artwork for the cover ah they they do such they've been doing such a good job on this and they and and the things they've got coming out further down the line they've been drip feeding the artwork out and it all looks really cool so it's like they're they're making a really good effort to bring these films back into circulation and going right if you're into this stuff then we're going to make it worth your while so dagon is Stuart gordon's final foray into the hp lovecraft world previously he's done the three reanimator movies and from beyond and this is based on the short lovecraft stories dagon and shadow over innsmouth so we start off on a kind of yacht that's moored off the coast of spain a storm hits um, the boats run ashore. The elder couple on the boat have to stay there, and the younger couple go to shore to get help. When they get to shore, the kind of weird ramshackle coastal town seems to be completely empty, and it's throwing it down. Um, they make their way to what looks like a church, but it's not really, because um, there's no trappings of Christianity there, only of some weird kind of cult thing and the priest that turns up has got webbed fingers so he starts oh. ringing, ringing alarm bells <laughs> with them um they then find out that any any man that steps foot into the town is then taken away and skinned and any woman that steps foot in the town is married in inverted commas to the sea god dagon and will produce kind of weird human amphibious fish offspring which will then populate the town this is really good fun kind of running around trying not to get caught eaten skinned married off seduced by weird tentacle fish lady kind of movie Um, (laughs) and lots of reanimator um references i understand as well in this Oh, of course there is. It's, it's Stuart Gordon. He's always chucking references to other movies in there and stuff. Bunch of a- extra features? Oh, tons and tons. Um, so you've got making off feature interviews with cast and crew. So you've got Stuart Gordon, Raquel Mario, Ezra Godman, Godden rather, interviews from the set with Stuart Gordon and a whole load of other people, trailers, teasers, TV spots. You know, like I said, with, with these beyond genre titles, 
Umbrella have just been going all out to cram as much in there as possible for the for the collectors. What's the so, uh, Blu-ray like? Nice. It's really good. I, I haven't seen this since I got it on VHS. Um, I don't even know how widely it was available on DVD before this came came out. Um, so you can get it on DVD, but you don't get all the extra stuff with it, I don't think. Yeah, so again, if you're a Stuart Gordon fan, get this. If you're a H.B. Lovecraft fan, grab it. Alex, Umbrella's final release is Escape from Absalom. I feel like we just need to do a true cult just on Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, that's going to come. Yeah. Um, this is great. Um, I saw this originally in the UK when it was called No Escape from the Penal Colony. So you kind of <laughs> got an idea. I think the, um, the other title's much better. <laughs> I wouldn't have the, picked up that title. <laughs> <laughs> the, the alternate title title is just no escape as well um so this is set in the future of 2022 and the prison system is run as you probably guess by now by corporations and they're all private and everything um the worst offenders are sent to this distant prison thing in the middle of nowhere that's got a train that goes to it and doesn't you can't get out and it's just in the middle of this kind of sandstorm desert. It's got a good evil warden in it. And this is where Ray Liotta, Captain John Robbins, has been sent because he <laughs> shot his commanding officer while on parade. I can't um, get over that name, John Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> um, he obviously doesn't like being there because he doesn't like, you know, taking orders from anyone. Um, so he does his best to try and get out and get sent to Absalom, which is this this prison island where you're, where you're dumped and left to fend for yourself, which has been done a couple of times before in movies. I think we've covered one previously from the like 70s that Umbrella released, um, which name escapes me for the moment, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, but it was definitely so, about another island. Yeah, yeah, where they mm. just dump prisoners to fend yeah, for themselves. Exactly. They, I feel like we've been they, here before. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they've split off into like, two completely separate groups and one's kind of grr and bad and feral and nasty and other lots of kind of like, Oh no, we'll make the most of it. Um, so of course he gets caught by the grr, bad, feral, Mad Max apocalypse now kind of tribe, um, which is led by the brilliantly psycho Marrick played by Stuart Wilson. He does such an awesome job in this. Um, and he gives Ray Liotta's, uh, John Robbins a choice. You can even fight or be eaten. So he goes, I'll fight. And before you know it, he's killed his opponent and done a runner into the forest. Um, he manages to give the Gur tribe the slip and gets woken up and rescued by the good tribe, um, who are led by father, who's played by Lance Henriksen. Oh, and that's here, disappointing. Good tribe. Yeah, what? Yeah. Right here, they, they grow their own crops. They've learned how to, to weave cloth and to sew and make armour out of bamboo and seashells. And, um, it doesn't everything... sound like the year tw 2022. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they've got this kind of little fortress bit and they, they have to fend off attacks from Marek and his, and his psycho warriors now and again. Um, but they've also got an escape plan that they're trying to, trying to hatch. And, and Robin's wants in on this because he doesn't want to be a prisoner no more. Um, really, really good fun. Along with Ray Liotta, Stuart Wilson, Lance Entry, you've got Don Henderson, Jack Shepard, and Michael Lerner all in there as well. You've and, missed and Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters. Thank you very yes. much. <laughs> yes. 
So, Alex, what do you get for your year 2022 money? <laughs> <laughs> You've got two making of featurettes. One's 28 minutes long and one's six minutes long. The six minute long one seems to have taken everything from the 28 minute one and just condensed it. <laughs> um, three different TV, no, four different TV spots. Um, and English, French, German, Italian and Spanish language options. Like I say, it's it's great fun. I, I, I've got a bit of a soft spot for most of the cast in this, especially Lance Henriksen and Ray Liotta. And like I say, um, Stuart Wilson, who plays Marek, he's got to be one of my favourite psycho villains in a, in a long time. Watching this, I remember really enjoying him when I watched this in the mid-90s and watching it again, I was like, yes, you're so cool. You're, you're just, he's just kind of the archetype of all these kind of weird smiley villains. He... He reminds me of Negan from The Walking Dead, where he's got that kind of like, I'm in control, and everyone will do what they say, but if you don't, I'll smash your head in. Have we got that clear? And everyone kind of goes, yeah, all right. <laughs> pulls <up> the line. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if Negan from The Walking Dead is kind of based on, on Marek from Escape from Absalom. Anna. ABC Radio.